Blog Talk Radio. It's the Gridiron Studs Show and the promo that's got the flow. Football knowledge from toe to toe with Amo, Talamino, and the other host. You already know Chad Wilson brings you the show. Dial us up. Give us a call. We're waiting here to talk some ball. 347-633-9365 is the number to call. So don't sit around. No time to stall. Giving you football from wall to wall. And now we give you our two hosts, Amo and Chad with your breakfast toast. It's the toast. We're the toast of the town. Amo Calamino and Chad Wilson, 10 a.m. here on a Monday, ready to do another gridiron stud show here for you. For all our loyal listeners out there, we're up. We're talking uh, whatever there is to talk about in the world of sports today. A couple of topics we're going to touch on. Uh, Big attendance. Big attendance at spring games. One team especially. uh, Adam, overflowing at your spring game. Uh, What to make of that? Um, Our... Everyone's favorite quarterback is back in the National Football League, um, and you'll never guess what team picked him up, or maybe you would. Uh, we'll talk about that during the show. And uh, we'll also hit on some other topics. Jim Harbaugh, he's gone from the NFL, but he's still a topic, Emil, and um, I know. always find those, those, those after-the-fact you know, statements that these guys make a, a little dubious. I mean, first of all, you know, Check me if I'm wrong here, but didn't the 49ers suck when he got there? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe the statements are an indictment on today's player. Maybe uh, it is an indictment on Jim Harbaugh. Um, all right, so I guess we've got our first topic that we're going to touch on. For those of you all listening for the first time and those listening for the hundredth time, the number, if you want to reach us on the show today, Three four seven six three three nine three six five. Again, three four seven six three three nine three six five. If you'd like to share your thoughts on any of the topics that we've got going on here today, or if there's something in the world of sports that's heavy on your mind and you'd like to bounce it off of Mr. Calamino, and Mr. Wilson today, that is what we are here for. You can also reach us as always on Twitter at Gridiron Studs S T U D S. You can reach us there with your comments, questions, etc. Feel free to join us. Um, and be a part of the Gridiron Stud Show today. Okay, what are we talking about? Alex Boone uh, recently interviewed on ESPN, and they always seem to be the ones to come out with this type stuff, huh? Aren't they? They're the ones? Always. Yeah, it's, like they, so it's like they look they, for the one disgruntled guy and find him. Well, I think there might be more than one disgruntled oh, guy. Oh, well, I think so. This, In this, this case, this, I think you're right. <laughs> yeah, this just happened to be uh, one guy. Well, you know, the interview wasn't actually... Um, on ESPN, unless this was an ESPN affiliate radio. Alex Boone, offensive lineman for the San Francisco 49ers, went on 95.7 the game um, and uh, had some comments about ex-San Francisco 49ers coach. Um, And some of them are, I think he pushed guys too far, Boone told. Oh, he actually said this to HBO Real Sports with Brian Gumbel. And this episode will air on Tuesday. He wanted too much. Demanded too much, expected too much. You know, we got to go out and do this. We got to go out and do this. We got to go out and do this. And you'd be like, this guy might be clinically insane. He's crazy. I think Jim Harbaugh is old school. And uh, old school just doesn't jive with this new school. um, Who did Jim Harbaugh play football for? His father, who's probably old school. Bo yeah, Schembechler. He, he played for Pops. Bo Schembechler, who's definitely, definitely old school. And Mike Dicka, who couldn't be any more old school. All right, exactly. <laughs> so his influences in the game have been consistent, and he's not going to deviate for that. Because apart from being all those guys being old school, all very successful coaches that uh, won a whole lot of games and 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 and, and championships and. And all well, that's, that good that's stuff. the that's the overarching theme there. It's like all these guys won. Here, here's where here's where this guy left the tracks for me. He started talking the things you just said. Then I read a part in there, and, I, and maybe you have it in front of you, where he said, "Dude, we we climb the mountain, relax, or something like that." And it's like, yeah, it's like that's Alex. Unless I missed something, thing. you didn't climb anything because you didn't win. You didn't win the championship. But, you know, I got to wonder with this new era and new age of player what they consider being the mountain. 
You know, what exactly We got there? That? Okay, yeah, you got there. You had a good team. No doubt. You were in three straight NFC Championship games, came within a hair of winning the Super Bowl. That's great. I mean, I'm not saying you weren't good, but mm-hmm. you didn't win the whole thing. I mean, I think a guy who's motivated like a Harbaugh, he's going to keep pushing until he gets that. That's what makes him good. Yeah, uh, some more quotes. He does a great job of giving you that spark, that initial boom. But after a while, you just want to kick his ass. <laughs> he just keeps pushing you, and you're like, what you said, dude, we got over the mountain, stop, let go. He kind of wore out his welcome. And that's really been the consistent case in Harbaugh's coaching career so far. He's gone in, he's taken a team from uh, from where they were and turned them around rather quickly, and then he's out of there rather fast. So if you're a Michigan Wolverines fan who was all too happy to run Brady Hoke out, um, you do have your guy, but how long do you have your guy? And what is going to happen, Emil, if he gets in there? Well, I got a couple thoughts years, before we even get to Ur- Michigan. What, what if he can't surpass Urban Meyer in three years? Well, listen, they may run him out, but I'm telling you is I, – I, and I'm no Harbaugh fan per se. I mean, I'm not a guy who, oh, wow, this guy, I love him. But every place he's gone, he's taken a, pl- a team that's crappy and made them good, okay? And, you know, you look what he did at Stanford. You know, you look what he did with the 49ers. So I'm putting this squarely on today's players because, you know what, <laughs> Vince Lombardi was no was no teddy bear. I mean, these stories all get better after guys pass away or leave the game. You know, Lombardi had guys that hated him. He'd trade a guy, if he didn't like him, he'd pick the Eagles or the Steelers who were horrible back then and trade him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah. Mike Dick. I, I, I get all that. And listen, I'm going to support some of these old school guys. But quite honestly, it looks like more and more in this day and age, the longer term successful type coaches are going to be the ones who can manage the personalities that we have now. More uh, Pete Carroll, more Phil Jackson, less um, a Jim Harbaugh type, less of a – I mean, what happened with Jimmy Johnson when he came in? The player said it's just too much of a grind, too much of a grind, and it just didn't work for Jimmy Johnson when he came to the Dolphins. Um, and, and how are the and, Dolphins and that, doing? Because guess what? Most of those guys that, that were too much of a grind, no one knows who the hell they are today. They know who Jimmy Johnson is. True. So what do you do now if you're an old school guy and you come into the National Football League? Because that's what we're talking about. Because Alex Boone admits uh, he's probably a better coach than he is, uh, probably a better college coach than he is an NFL coach. Uh, but you're in the NFL um, and you're a grinded out guy. What do you do? Do you just start um, purging your roster of these personality types that will have this kind of mentality and you just bring guys in that want to work or or do you kind of mold combination? Your way, mold your combination. Stuff? I think you can have old school principles, but be deliver the message in a better way. I mean, part of I'm not going to absolve Harbaugh of everything here. I mean, part of it is how you deliver your message. Mm-hmm. I mean, listen, I've, mm-hmm. I've you and I've talked. About, I mean, I, I know the history of a guy like Jason Garrett. Garrett's an mm-hmm. old school guy. I mean, I know it doesn't seem like that. He is. He's he's mm-hmm. about you know we're going to build our line. We're going to punch you in the face, but his message is always a positive one. And he knows mm-hmm. how to deliver the message, but yet he tries to get the players that that buy into what, what he does. I mean, his father was old school. His brother's a scout. His influence was Jimmy Johnson. I mean, the, the guy is not one of these, you, you know, let's play flag football this afternoon. I don't want anybody to get hurt type guys. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. But I think it's partly how you deliver that message. And I think that's where Harbaugh is challenged. I think he probably grates on people. Um, from what I understand, his personality is a little bit goofy, from what I've read. You know, he's just got a, a very odd personality. I think he's a certain kind of way, and he wants all his guys to be that same way. And when they're not, I guess um, I guess it doesn't jive well for the player. I, I mean, I, I guess they just can't really get on board with it, and they get worn out. But i got to wonder, Emil, I mean – it ends up being that he wore his welcome out, really, it seemed, with the front office. Would he have been able to continue on with these players? Um, and would he have been able to continue to get the most out of these guys year after year? And here's another thing. When you're, this, when you're like the way Harbaugh is right now, you've got to be winning. 
you got to be you got to be at near in or winning that Super Bowl every year, or these guys will revolt on you. And wow. I'm telling you, I touched on this with those retirements that you had with the San Francisco 49ers. Um, I'm saying part of what Borland did may have had something to do with how Harbaugh was. Um, and I don't know, I'll probably get run off the air for saying this, but maybe some of what went on there with Patrick Willis had something to do with that time with Harbaugh where it was a grind, a grind, a grind. And these guys are making so much money now, Emil, that it's they start to say, okay, well, how long do I want to be doing this? How long do I want to be out here practicing in full pads and grinding and hitting and all that when I've got so much money in the bank? And I well, think I mean, they're, cert- listen, they're certainly entitled to have that thought process, and I, you know, I guess I can't blame them. But that said, I mean, I, you know, anything I ever did, no matter whether it was in sports or business, I always found myself having the most fun when I was being successful at it. So in sports, I would mm-hmm. I would say that that was when I was winning. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering sometimes when I see this stuff. I guess that's not as important to today's player in, you know, in some regard. Well, now how much winning is winning? What's enough winning? Is it uh, getting to that Super Bowl every year, or um, is getting to the playoffs enough winning? What's what's enough? I mean, let's face it: the guys got to the Super Bowl and they lost. You know, almost won it, and then couldn't get back to it they got to the nfc championship game and then this year not as close so they felt well, let me throw it back at you everybody's favorite let me take three lightning rod type well one's not a lightning rod the other two are let me let me throw it back at you tom brady Derek jeter tim duncan if they got to the championship of their respective leagues and lost would they say we climbed the mountain baby would they say that yeah, I think we're judging them by their legend at this point now. I think that's that's what we're well, doing. Well, I, I, you know, I doubt Jeter, they would say. I mean, knowing how they were. Derek, it's interesting you bring up those guys, though. But let's like, let's take a look at their careers. Derek Jeter came into this game when 1996. What mm-hmm. happened in 1996? They won the whole damn thing. Tom Brady, first year into this thing, won the whole damn thing. So it's really easy to buy the message when you have had immediate success in it. Um, so. You know, it's hard to look at it from from that standpoint. Had Derek Jeter come in and he had to grind him out, edge, you know, rub you to the bone uh, manager for his first four years in the league and didn't win a World Series, would his mindset have changed? Hey, uh, look, you know, I don't don't know if this is for me. Would Tom Brady have been that way? Um, Because we know Bill Belichick's old school. He's probably a grinded out guy. I'm willing to bet, though, if you – investigate, Bill Belichick has probably peeled off on some of those old-school principles over the years. Let's let's not forget, it didn't work for him in Cleveland. Right. Okay, well, let's take Alex Boone. Alex Boone came into the league with the 49ers, right? Mm -hmm. He came in 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 2010, so that was Mm -hmm. pre-Harbaugh. They were 6-10 that year. Right. Then Harbaugh came around Mm -hmm. in 2011. They went to the Mm -hmm. NFC Championship game. Then he yep. came around in 2012. They mm-hmm. went back to the NFC Championship game. 2013, mm-hmm. they went to the Super Bowl. They had one bad year mm-hmm. when he was there, and that was they had a ton of injuries last year. I mean, didn't win the ultimate prize. Understood. So I guess what I'm saying is Alex Boone, I guess that's how they roll at Ohio State pre-Urban Meyer. Well, hey, we got to a bowl game. Uh, he came from I Ohio know, State. Man, I don't know. You're you're taking a shot at. I was listening to an all-time solid program, which has been very consistent. No, I'm not. I'm being sarcastic with Alex Boone. I don't think that's how they yeah. roll at Ohio State. What I'm saying is, I, I think well, this I'm guy. Well, I'm just saying to you, they didn't get the ultimate. They did not get the ultimate prize. Yes, you're telling us about how they won all these games and they got close to winning a ring and they got close to being, um, you know, holding up the Lombardi Trophy. But history is not going to show for all their grinding that the San Francisco 49ers were champions during the era of Jim Harbaugh, and they were grinding hell. I'm Listen, I'm just trying to fit myself into the mind of this I'm agreeing with you, but I guess what I'm trying to say is they got a hell of a lot closer and probably stood a hell of a lot better chance with him there than I think they do today. I think if they beat the Baltimore Ravens in that Super Bowl, we don't hear mm-hmm. any of this. No, it's probably not. So You're probably how, right. It's just it's just so funny how the how – you know, what a small margin there is there. They beat the Ravens. I'm telling you, Harbaugh's probably still the coach. I'm telling you, we don't even get 
quotes like this in an interview. I'm telling you that many more guys buy into this whole deal. I'm telling well, you Patrick Willis probably still playing. I'm going to back about, you up. I don't know about Borland. This reminds me of January 20, 2007. Mm-hmm. Tony Romo had just fumbled the snap from center on a wet night in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Cowboys lost a playoff game. They may have won. Mm-hmm. And Bill Parcells was basically on his way out. Okay, mm-hmm. And as soon as he left, in comes Wade Phillips, right? Mm-hmm. And all the players, you know, you hear the stories. You know, Parcells was just, you know, his per- he can only last so long with his personality. It wears on you, you know. Mm-hmm. And if you're a historian of football, you realize he came there in 2003. The Cowboys were fresh off three straight 5-11 and 11 seasons. Mm-hmm. He took them to three straight seasons, you know, of nine or more wins. Two mm-hmm. playoff appearances. Now it doesn't sound like, oh well, he didn't wasn't a world beater. He inherited a roster that all the Hall of Famers had left at once, was basically in salary cap hell, and had three straight five and eleven seasons. Raider esque, if I may add. Okay, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. he leaves, and in comes Wade Phillips. First year, I think they go thirteen and three. Oh my God, you know, see what it is when you change the personnel. The players love me. Yeah, okay, how'd that work out with Wade Phillips? Uh, all I remember is a team that w- wasn't even willing to make a tackle in Green Bay the night he got fired. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, true. And maybe he was there just to take it from the seller. And that's right. To the, Sometimes to the you got to rebuild. It's, that's a process. I mean, Harbaugh took over what wasn't a very good 49er team. Everybody likes to say, oh, but they had talent. I don't care. Almost every team in the NFL other than Jacksonville and Oakland usually has some talent. I mean, it's it's a big deal. They had talent. They were six and ten when he got there. Mm-hmm. That's it. All right. Well, my my my. After all this, my question to you is this: uh, Jim Harbaugh's the, the new man at Michigan. Obviously, uh, a very good football coach. Whether that's you know, for the long term or the short term, clearly he knows what he's doing. Clearly, he knows how to take a team from where they are and improve them. But what's going to be the situation you think, Amo? when he comes into the Big Ten and he can't topple over Urban Meyer, who has this thing in Ohio going full cylinder right now. Full cylinder, he's got this thing going. And it's going to be very tough for Jim Harbaugh to take those Wolverines and get them on top of the Big Ten right now because Urban's got a pretty good head start on him, and he's a very good football coach in his own right. Perhaps, I'm going to say right now, perhaps the most successful college football coach in this era right now. Nothing you said there isn't true, but I will say this. If the Michigan fans give this guy the three years he's going to need to build his roster his way, they may not topple Ohio State in the sense that they'll they'll dominate them every year, but they will compete and beat Ohio State at certain times. I mean, listen, he did – if you can go to – rewind, man. Go back. As much as Urban Meyer had it going at Ohio State – Nobody had it going like Pete Carroll did at USC, and this guy got Stanford. Mm. He didn't get Michigan. He mm. got Stanford. Mm. I mean, um, he made. <laughs> I mean, he true. made them. But perhaps he came in at a time um, when Pete Carroll had kind of, you know, run his course at USC. What if he would have come in, Emil, in Pete Carroll's heyday at USC? one or two years into this thing where Urban Meyer is. We're not in year five or six of Urban Meyer where he's won a championship or two and then failed to get there and then now, you know, having trouble even getting back again or, you know, where he's hit the mountain and now he's on the other side of the mountain. Urban Meyer just got to the top of that mountain and it's at a different place than when Harbaugh right. came into Listen, the there's no world. doubt he benefited. He got to Stanford in 2006, I think it was. USC was still really good. He got the upset in 2007. USC was still really good. 2008, USC was number two in the country, but then, bang, the Reggie Bush rumors started. 2009 was Pete Carroll's last year. He you know, he went to the NFL. So, yes, he benefited from the combination of Pete Carroll said, I'm going back to the NFL, win myself mm-hmm. a Super Bowl, and USC's going on probation. There's no doubt about that, and I don't think Ohio mm-hmm. State's going that direction. So you got a valid point. He may never mm-hmm. equal that success. But I think that's going to be, you know, more on the Michigan fans. And I honestly think that Harbaugh is not going to be a guy that plans to stay there for 20 years. Honestly, I just don't. Mm-hmm. I think in his mind it's a five- or six-year gig. you got to wonder where he's going to rest his head. 
Uh, where do you, you might go never. From Some people never do. You know, you keep saying like, like, like you're thinking like you or I. Hey, I want to find a place where I'm happy. Some people are just never. They're they're just never one of these, you, these well, people. Well, well, time out though. He's had a quick rise, Emil. Um, where, you know, other guys where we say have never really rested their head or whatever, they usually are bouncing from a small job to a bigger job to a bigger job to a bigger job, and then you 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 reach a certain point. Uh, Urban Meyer started at Bowling Green, went to Utah, came to Florida. Now he's at Ohio State. He's gone home. This is where he's from. The only other gig I think that's out there for Urban Meyer may be Notre Dame. And to be quite honest with you, well, what he's got going on at Ohio State, I, this is probably oh. where he rests Okay, his head. well, wait, wait, look, wait, wait. Look, let's go backwards. Let's look at best coaches. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick Saban. Michigan State, mm-hmm. the Cleveland Browns, LSU, the Miami Dolphins, Alabama. Not sure he's been at Alabama now. It is six, seven years, but I mean, it's not like I think he rested his head there for six or seven years. I mean, some point, you know, he's been he's been hinting that he might retire. I mean, it's not like he went there and stayed. He's not going to be. You're not going to see Aaron. That's Parcegian. the ultimate headrest when you're talking about you're going to retire from this job. I That's guess. I mean, head, it, what's what's more headresting than that? I'm saying for all these things that you've brought up, Harbaugh finds himself in a different situation. He's he's young. He's 51 years old, I think. He's already done the college thing. He's gone to the NFL. He's on an accelerated course. Now he's coming back to his alma mater. He has done this faster. Than, than anyone else. So if you wear yourself out at Michigan, where does Jim Harbaugh, where does he go? Did you go ever think of maybe this guy ends up in the NFL as a GM, where where maybe he doesn't have to have the what, interaction what? as a GM? What? I don't think he could handle that job. No well, way in hell, man. That guy behind the desk, are you for real? No yeah, way Yeah, I guess hell. maybe not. Uh, hell no. no. He, he's got he's to smell the pads. He's he, I, he gets involved in drills, for Christ's sake, at 51 years old. What's he going to do, be Terry Tate off as linebacker over there for somebody's <laughs> team, take someone out at the water cooler? He's too insane at this age, I think, to do it. That is really intriguing to me. I've been thinking about this. Is What does he do after this Michigan job? And is he going to have to find himself at Michigan and change some of his ways and smooth some of his edges so that he can – well, his head at Michigan for, all, for before for you go to break, let me just throw this out. I read a story yesterday. He had a um, he, he had a kid in practice before the spring game. The kid looked at him. He he told him how to do something, and I don't know if it was a drill or a play. And the kid looked at him. He said, "Listen, I'm telling you how to do it the right way. And if you don't like it, get the f out of here and go someplace else." <laughs> yeah, that's that's not a smoothing of the edge. No, I don't think he. In other words, <laughs> I don't all. think he's smoothing it over. The only good thing. Um, I think for him in the college ranks is that you rotate these guys out of here every three, four years. That's years, a good point, and you really do. You, that, you get that, a that's new a, crop. Yeah. Yes, you get a new you, crop to annoy for three or four years, and then they're on to the rest of their yeah, life. Yeah, you, you, you get new pencils sharpened, and you get to rub their ass down until the point breaks, and at that point you just bring in another damn pencil. In the NFL, um, you got some joker there for 14, 15 years. That, that pencil ain't it's not getting broken, or if it's broken, it's sitting there in the – it's sitting there in your cup, and it's getting paid for doing nothing. So yeah, um, that's the only thing that might save him. I'm telling you, that's a dynamic we're going to need to watch here for the next three, four years. Can he topple Urban Meyer? And what is he going to do with that team to topple Urban Meyer? And is that whole process going to really rub people there the wrong way? Is he going to is he going to turn into a child if he can't beat Urban Meyer? And will that spread itself to the front office, the athletic director, and and everyone else? Watch out, everyone! It's, Definitely something for us to look for. Well, speaking of uh, Urban Meyer, what did he get to show up for his spring game there in, uh, in, in Buckeye land? We'll need to talk about that and more when we return on the Gridiron Stud Show. We'll be back right after this. Seven season, summer basketball, family picnics, all around the corner, and you're paying big money for t-shirts from screen printers? Why? Screen printed t-shirts are costly when done for small groups. They're limited in color unless you want to pay an even higher price. More colors mean higher prices. How do we solve this? Do it yourself at home with your inkjet printer and a hand iron. That's right, with heat transfer paper sold at t-shirtsupplies.com, you can design your own logos, 
put any wording you want, print it on your inkjet print paper, and using the proper paper sold by t-shirtsupplies.com, you can get this the way that you want it. There's no limit to the amount of color or the design. You can transfer a photograph using this paper. It's great for team sports. It's great for family reunions. It's great for birthday grips. The t-shirt is part of the American culture, and now you can design your own. Don't worry if you haven't done it before. T-Shirt Supplies has the first-rate customer service. They will help you get the paper you want for your project and steer you in the right direction. Visit them now at t-shirtsupplies.com. That's t-shirts, no hyphen, supplies, plural, all one word, dot com. Or call them at one 857 2737 That's 1-877-85-PAPER. T-shirtsupplies.com. Go there now. Hey, girl. You gonna eat your cornbread? Mm-hmm. Oh, Trevor. Don't say that, Trevor. You talking to me? Yeah, I think you're talking to you. Um, no, not, not at all. Um, I want you to have it. Uh, will you mind passing this down to... Uh, hey, no, hi, man. Don't, don't pass your cornbread to him. That's your cornbread. Ray, I'm a grown man, okay? I'm not going to eat this cornbread. If he wants the cornbread, damn it. Have the cornbread. If he wants some cornbread, let him go up to the front and get his own portion of cornbread. That's your cornbread. Fuck him. Hey, man, he going to eat his cornbread, all right? Fuck you, Ray. Look, I don't, I don't need you to... to, to Take up for me. I'm all right. I'm a, I'm a grown man. I can handle it. If you that. let him have your cornbread, you're going to be adding his drawers and cutting his toenails. Shit, don't make it. Maybe I ought to eat your cornbread. Oh, oh motherfucker, you can't have my cornbread. That's for damn sure. Because if you try to take my cornbread, part two of my killing. Oh. Um, anytime yeah, this guy yeah, yeah. All right, what's the moral of the story there, Emil? Eat your own Don't take cornbread. his cornbread? I don't know. Don't pass your cornbread around, man, or you're going to end up ironing his draws. <laughs> Listen, I have, have a question about I have a cornbread question. I have a cornbread question for you. I hope I can answer it for you. Yes. Cedric Maxwell, remember the old Celtic, his nickname was Cornbread. Yes. Cornbread why? Maxwell. No, not why. why. That name? Oh, no, okay. is cornbread literally cornbread, like bread made out of corn? I never, I don't, did I ever have cornbread? I'm not even sure if I did. Well, listen. Is that I, like I a southern I, thing, or is that just like I'm missing it? I just never had cornbread. I mean, I, do I? It really I don't is. Even... A, it really is a. It really is a southern thing. It's. Uh, it's. Um, uh, I, don't, I don't know what's the word I could say for it, but it is a dish. I guess I could say really enjoyed by African Americans, and I'd have to really dig back into history to find out why. Probably made from. Oh, so meal. so this is an ethnic thing. It's, it is it is an African American. Oh yeah, dish. cornbread's a really big deal. It's a really big deal with with uh, with African Americans. So, um, and, is it you know, good? From, it is good. Absolutely, it is good. You know. So, so I should try um, to find some of this and try it, so at least I could say that I've had it. Yeah, you can say that you've had it, and you can share with all of our listeners, both black, white, uh, and and any other color, as to whether or not you do enjoy it. The way these individuals on this seg on this clip, which came from the movie Life, starring uh, Martin Lawrence and Eddie Murphy, a very very funny movie, one of the ones for the ages. As you got two really one of the uh, two of the funniest guys in the history of funniness uh, in the same movie. It was a movie that I enjoyed, but a, one of the better clips uh, from the movie. And uh, again, don't let a guy get your cornbread uh, when you're locked up, or you're going to be ironing his draws and plaiting the hairs on his chest. And, uh, that's just us bringing you. I've what, tried grits, by the what way. You need to know. Oh yeah, I mean grits. Grits um, crosses color lines. It's not just a. But I'm not into grits. A, I mean, not well, a, it's a southern thing. Let me just say to you that it's a southern. You can get grits with anything down south. Grits with your chicken. Grits with your waffles. Grits with your eggs. Uh, grits and caviar, probably not. But I guess they know, mix stuff in grits to give them line. some taste. Is that how it works? Like you, you put something in there besides the grits. Wait, wait. Them. At what point did you think I was Emerald Lagasse or something like that? I don't know. I'm having. I'm finding this interesting because you played a segment on cornbread, and now you got me thinking about food. Pretty soon yeah, I'll be having I'm, lunch. I, I'm, I'm really all good excited. at tasting it. <laughs> I'm really good at tasting it. I can cook here and there, but I, I'm not a food historian, so. Uh, maybe someone could call in. Well, I'm Italian. I mean, we have, that. our whole life is built around food, so. Oh, yeah, I know I know that. So go to the Italian restaurant near you, your favorite Italian restaurant, and ask for grits and cornbread. And you tell me um, how many Italian words 
get yes, I'll, I'd I'll, like I'll, you'll be learning new language. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. All right. If you want to join us on the show today, 347-633-9365, 347-633-9365. What are your thoughts on the new age and era of player? Can they survive uh, the grinded-out old-school coach? And if they can't, what do you think about that? I'm always – I'm all, I always remember Jimmy Johnson's time here with the Dolphins. I really wanted it to, to work out, um, and there are a number of reasons why it didn't. One of those was, uh, he was he was grinding the new, age player, uh, new era player too hard. See, in the mid to early 90s when he was with the Cowboys, we hadn't reached this era yet. But by the time he came to the Dolphins, teams were uh, made up, comprised of largely of, uh, we started getting into that prima donna thing and guys wanted to be in, you know, shorts and shirt, and, you know, helmets, no pads, no shells, uh, not practicing in full pads. We started to get into that whole deal. I tell these kids that I coach all the time, Emil, and they're blown away by it. Our two-a-days lasted a month when I was in high school and college. A month. And it's almost you? right after they don't believe me. They can't even envision that. In high school down here now in uh, South Florida, we can't have two-a-day practices, meaning we can't go out there and uh, practice back-to-back like that. Well, and you also have to admit there was some silliness that went on years ago, you know, like with, with you know, I mean, I don't know about your coaches, but, you know, the whole thing with, no, you can't get a drink of water and all that crap, and they realized that, well, that's not really very smart. <laughs> yeah, well, kids are dying. I guess the sun has gotten close. Closer. Yeah. And it's hotter out there. Yeah, there's some silliness, and getting water was a sign of weakness back in the day. Um, and no, it, and and then you know research. It took research to find this out that that no, it's not a sign of weakness. It could be a sign that you're dying, and you're gonna probably need some water. But uh, they don't. We you can't even have the two-a-day practices at all. And it seemed almost immediately right after the time that I finished playing that they started putting in rules with regards to the amount of time that you can be practicing, the amount of two-a-days that you can have. Uh, they came up with the 20 hours a week rule. So they started putting rules in there that really went against the old-school um, Bear Bryant-type coach. So um, from those rules, you started to ev- have players evolve into this mindset that they have now. That and you know, popular culture has um, if I could use this word, softened up the population. So a guy coming in from the old school with this whole grind it out, uh, let's do tackling drills without a helmet on, let's be out in full pads the day before a game, that's just not not going to jive too well. So Yeah, it's not going to fly what, anymore. No, no, not not the, the broken nose uh, era is just not going to really work. One guy who seems to be getting it right in this – new era that we're in and seems to know how to manage today's player and put things together and win because he's done that everywhere that he's gone is Urban Meyer. He won at Bowling Green. He took Utah to new heights. He won championships at Florida. He's left Florida. Now he's won a championship at Ohio State. And am I am I right? Is he the first? Well, he's not the first. One of very few guys who's been able to win a national championship as the head guy at two different programs. So, No, I mean, uh, it's hard to do. Saban did it, and it's a short list. Yeah, very a very, very short list. So um, what's the prize for winning a national championship? You go out, you have a spring game where you have uh, certain places that are drawing less than 10,000 uh, 10, uh, fans to their spring game. What does Ohio State get? They get ninety nine plus thousand. Amo Calamino, can you absolutely posit? Can you believe that ninety nine thousand plus show up to the spring game? That's this crazy, is not huh? Michigan, Ohio State. It's not Ohio State, Michigan State. It's not Ohio State, USC. It's the damn Ohio State Buckeyes versus the Ohio State Buckeyes. I mean, that just no, blows it, me away. It's nuts. It really is. Uh, yeah, the the actual total, according to Ohio State, is 99,391 people showed up for their spring game. I guess they're really, really jonesing for uh, spring football in, in Ohio. In yeah, contrast, apparently so, huh? Yeah. Uh, uh, in contrast, I've got some numbers for some spring games from the ACC. Clemson was your most... It was your high, most highly attended spring game in the conference. Clemson, 37,000. Not bad. 
Louisville, no. 23,187. Florida State, 17,250. Then there's a sharp drop from that. Pittsburgh, 5,395. Wake Forest, 4,500. Georgia Tech, 4,000. Syracuse, 4,000. A little bit of a surprise there for me. Miami, 3,500. You folks down here, you want this team to return to dominance. You want them back in the ACC championship. You want them winning championships like the Jimmy Johnson days. But only 3,500 of you can show up to the spring game. Not sure how you think that's going to work. And Virginia with 3,000. Virginia, 3,000. Ohio State, 99,392. Yeah, but look at, you know what? Florida State's got a phenomenal football history, and they fill the place on Saturdays. They got 17,000. I mean, honestly, I know we might part ways on this a little bit, but I find the whole 99,000 thing to be goofy. <laughs> it, 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 well, it is, in, it is insane. It is insane. I find it goofy. Uh, I mean, Ohio. my kid's not playing. I don't want to watch a spring game. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I mean, I will check it out on ESPN3. Um, well, we can obviously throw a lot of that in the direction of they are the defending national champions. How much of that, though, Emil, do you think is uh, there's an intense quarterback battle going between three guys there? Uh, no, what I think it is, having been around Ohio State fans in some certain trips to Las Vegas that I've made watching college football inside one of the sports books where they have the huge TVs and there's lots of people on Saturdays and Sundays just watching games, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. they have some really goofy fans. I call them buck nuts. <laughs> okay. No, they have some really goofy fans. I mean, I... Take me, you know me, multiply me mm-hmm. by 20 to the 20th power, and that's an Ohio State fan. I don't know that they've ever had 99,000 there, though. So you got to throw some cheese on it being defending national champs. you gotta, you got to – Urban Meyer defending be... national champs, three quarterbacks, a lot of interest, sure. But, but we have that go on here. I mean, Penn State gets a phenomenal crowd for the blue-white game. I don't know if it's it, – it's, I mean, I bet you it's 50,000 or more if I looked it up. Yeah, well, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna look that up for us, but yeah, uh, I know what the Penn, what I mean, Penn State does good too. I mean, it's just I just think it's a lot of that is the northeast section of the country, um, and the deep south or the Midwest. It's, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, northeast, you know, north and east, you know, I mean, I meant north and east. You get from the you know from the center over to us. You know, the cold weather folks tend to love that spring game. The weather's getting nice. They're Jonesing for football. Are we just so. saying basically the places where there's not a whole hell of a lot going on? Which would exclude a Miami and a Los Angeles and a New York yeah. City and uh, yeah, I mean if you want, yeah, I mean exactly. honestly, where there's no pro sports, yes, and you know, and Tallahassee's probably an example of, uh, you know, where it's warm weather and they they can do other things. So you know, it's the state capital. There's other things to do because they only got seventeen thousand yet they fill their stadium on Saturday. So I don't think Florida State has a problem with their program. I just think there's mm. other things to do in Florida and. People look at each other and go, eh, I'll catch that in the fall. <laughs> True. You know, I'm on something else right now. I have a fashion show to go to or, you know, there's uh, something going on down How here. do you think this goes down, down out in Los Angeles? Okay, we got the spring game. Two guys look at each other and go, okay, we can get tickets tonight for the Clippers. Well, it's funny saying what it, usually it would be the Lakers, but that it's mm-hmm. the Clippers these days. We can get tickets tonight for the Clippers playoff game or, or we can go over to catch a Dodger game. Or we can go to the USC mm-hmm. spring game. Hmm. Uh, how good is USC doing at the time? Um, admittedly, the Clippers are, are in the playoffs and doing quite well, and the Dodgers look like they want to make a lot of noise. So that would be a tough one. Yeah, um, well, I'm saying I, that's what happens. I mean, they just there's other things. There's the other USC, stuff going on, yeah. USC get, got 23,000 at their spring game, which is more than Florida State, which I actually find to be a decent crowd, and you lived in Los Angeles, and you know there's so much to do out there. I find that a decent crowd in April, on an April Saturday for spring football out there, truthfully. Well, I played at Long Beach State. Um, you didn't get 23,000 people for your entire home schedule. I don't know that in my entire time there – well, let me not say that. When we had George Allen my freshman year, we sold out a veteran stadium, a very uh, huge venue with one-sided stadium, and at the stoplight you could catch a couple snaps. Um, but we would we would fill it there. So uh, my second year there, though, mm-hmm. 4,000 people to a game, maybe 4,500. Um, so, yeah. yeah you had more of your high school games. You were coaching high school football. You were getting more people at the high school games is what you're saying. At my high school games that I played in, 
We yeah. were a championship, very good team, and we would probably get that amount to games, to, to be yeah. quite honest with you. So uh, there you go. And just a, a quick footnote on that, Long Beach Poly, the high school there in Long Beach, had first call on, on Veterans Stadium. So if they, if, they, if they had a game Saturday night at 7, Long Beach State well, had to move their game. Long That's Beach Poly, we for at. those who don't follow California high school football, is a powerhouse. Yeah, a powerhouse, home of Snoop Dogg and um, you know Deshaun Jackson and 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 other other notables. Um, I got some breaking news for you. I'm not kidding you. I'm just doing doing some digging here during the last break, uh, and I know we'll touch on this later, but I'll throw it out there. Uh, the Vikings have set a price for Adrian Peterson. Apparently, now oh, well, now let's they, let's then? start with the notion that when you sell anything, you start high. But here's their asking price. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold that, man. Hold, hold that. We're going to hit that one in the last segment. Okay. Um, okay, I'll call yeah, definitely, for you. I definitely want to talk that. We'll keep we'll keep folks hanging on the edge of their seat for that one. Uh, oh, or a little tease. They have to stay yeah, for the Yeah, you know, you, you got to right. do this radio thing right there, my friend. All right. Um, I, I find this interesting. Here are some numbers from last year's spring games. Um, Penn State, you did mention 72,000, and this was from last year. They got 72,000 to their spring game. Ohio State last year had 61,058 attend their spring game. Still a lot and of they people. Got, but they got 33% more than They got 50% than last year. more. You have to do last year as your base. They went up 30-some thousand on 61,000. Yeah, well, yeah, you're right. You're right. They're okay, up well, over 50%. Their account. 50% more. What? What? Come on, what's that about? That's, I mean, listen, there was nothing to do in Ohio State last year, and there's still nothing to do at Ohio State this year. Why did 50% more people show up? And I'm telling you, um, the national championship, I, I just would love to know how much of that was the quarterback battle. Florida State last year, though, 36,500 attended. So that kind of gives us a clue as to just what coming off of the championship could mean. Not coming off of a championship this year, 17,000 and what did I say, 500. Yes. Coming off of the championship last year, 36,500. Also, there's no Jameis at this year's spring game. No. So people, well, there's a little people, dynamic thrown in there for you. People love winning. You know that. I mean, fans are notorious for it, you know, and you see that. You see that with baseball. I mean, teams when teams get good, I mean, you know, the stadiums are full, and if the team's not so good, you know, not so full. I mean, it's just that's just – yeah, you, know, you see it in every sport. Well, here's the Laker tickets I'm, I'm, are pretty easy to get these days, huh? Yeah, they're giving them away. You probably go to you know Fat Burger, you get a burger, you get a ticket. Now at this point, um, here's another number I want to throw out: Nebraska in 2014, 61,772 fans at their spring game. This year, 78,000. There's no special reason to be at Nebraska this year. So they got rid of um, Bob They got a new coach. Oh, good grief. Uh, maybe that's it. I don't know, but or or could it just be that I don't know? Attendance is up at spring games. And well, yeah, but I do think there's certain. I think you're pointing out stuff. You're making an argument against yourself. I mean, I think there are reasons that different ones spike, and I think you hit on many, and and you're right. But I think your fans are always curious. Remember, now this is their first look at the new coach. They want to see what it, what he's doing, what his schemes are. The, the you know we got to remember Nebraska's got a real hardcore fan base. I mean they're not your average. We're going to the game to make sure we get seen. Their fans they understand mm-hmm. their football, and they're diehards. So they want to see what this guy's what this guy's doing. You know previous years mm-hmm. they already knew what the guy was doing, losing every big game he, he played in. You think if you lived in the Los Angeles area, you'd attend USC spring games? Uh, no, but I will admit this. I would probably, if they had an open practice, uh, occasionally swing by and watch it. I admit that. Yeah, I would probably do that. I'm not sure I'd go to the spring game because it's just traffic and stuff. I'm not into going to games that I don't have to, you know, if I don't have to break my stones to get to a place where, you know, I'm going to go to a game that doesn't count, I'm not going to break my stones to do it. Hmm. Okay. Well, interesting thought because you are, you are a fan. That's, uh, I find that to be rather interesting. I've got to ask myself, um, since I was done playing, I may have gone to, I think, two two or three University of Miami spring games. It's not terribly motivated. Uh, I know at least two of those times it was tied into uh, the, the weekend's events, which included, you know, some alumni activities. So at the conclusion of those activities, you know, you attend the spring game. 
I but you have more, you know. You also have more reason to go. I mean, you know, at a spring game, if you played, I mean, you're going to see friends there. Not necessarily. Well, yeah, that, yeah, the, the yeah. Alumni, I mean, you're so. going to see people there that maybe you played with. There's, there's more of a social reason to go than mm-hmm. a guy like me who's just a hardcore fan. And I'm, you know, like I said, I admit I would probably, if I lived in Los Angeles, and I was within, you know, not killing myself. If they had an open practice, I might swing by and, and catch that once in a while if the weather's nice and I get some sun doing it. But I, I just can't see fighting traffic to go to, you know, that's just my personality, to go to something oh, that doesn't count. you traffic in there. You know, well, come on. you know the traffic. You think the traffic in Miami is bad. Remember what it was all like oh, out I there. Know all, I, I know all about that, no, no question about it. Um, for someone who's played in spring games, and knows the relative lack of importance of them. Very difficult for me to go there and and really get myself all lathered up about the ongoings on the field, uh, other than to maybe marvel at the athleticism of one or two players. You know, maybe there's a guy that you heard run ran a four two in the spring, and you just want to see him and see what that looks like there. But other than that, I have no interest in seeing the number one receiver on our team doing in some walk-on because that's how the teams got split up. How is that handled? How is that handled internally, by the way, like with coaches? Um, I mean, I'm sure they all have different strategies, but is there kind of like a thing, you you play defense, is there kind of like a thing like, listen, we're not lighting anybody up here? In other words, is there an unwritten rule like, uh, you know, we're, we're trying not to hurt our own team? Uh, we didn't have that rule when I was, when I was playing. No. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's you kind of cashed checks from the whole spring on the spring game, you know. Um, listen, you had a few things to say during spring ball, and now um, there's no thud There's no thud up situation here. If I find you with the ball, I'm going to remember some of the things you had to say during the last three weeks, and, you know, it's 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 time to... Okay, well, I was just wondering, you know, because you always so, wonder, you know, are these guys trying not to... It's probably not like that anymore, though, Emil. It probably is. I don't know. I, I, the only spring game I really watched, obviously, was Florida's. I didn't even attend it myself. And it looked like full-out, full-on tackling there. Um, you know, most places you, you, you're not going to tackle your quarterback. Um, he's out there in a red jersey. So, right. Um, but other than that, yeah, it's full-out. Let's go. you got to know your guys that can tackle. You know, you got to know that. And, right. So you can't. At some point, you gotta you gotta go live before it is live, and some t- and a lot of times the spring game is that. I know that was it for us. Uh, it was full go, so um, you got hit. You know, right, you got I got you. Okay, that was that was more that was more what I was thinking. I was just trying to understand what the psychology was when when you know in these games. Yeah. All right. Well, listen. According to uh, you know, Emil Mortensen here, this late breaking news. And the uh, Minnesota Vikings have uh, set the price on eBay for Adrian Peterson. Exactly what is that price? We'll find out when we get back on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this. Hey, 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 do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payoff. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over 600000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and, get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now!
talking to the Rolex wearing, diamond ring wearing, kiss stealing, woo, wheeling, dealing, limousine riding, jet flying, son of a gun, and I'm having a hard time holding these alligators down. Admittedly, Emil Calamino, I was a big-time wrestling fan growing up, as I suspect many uh, of us were, us males were. Pro wrestling. And I was wait, wait, wait. Make I, that. Yeah, pro yes, wrestling. okay, because, because I still I mean, don't when understand. Talk, when we talk wrestling here, we're not talking in the tights. Yes, I don't understand the leotard thing. It's very big here in the Northeast. I mean, there's guys that actually go to wrestling meets and follow it when they're our age, and I don't never got the whole (laughs) thing. (laughs) Really? Uh, No. Very interesting there. I do have respect for wrestlers, though, of those types. The uh, Roman Greco, Olympic-style guys. Yeah, yeah, you never really want to ever find yourself in a situation mixed up with those guys. No, I don't want to find myself half-naked on the floor rolling around with a man. No, I agree with you. No, no, and I don't want to be duking it out with a guy who knows how to take my elbow and shove it up my own rear end. No, I don't want to do that either. I want to find myself in. But nevertheless, pro wrestling... I, I loved pro wrestling. Loved, loved, loved pro wrestling. Was never really an NWA fan and never really a Ric Flair fan. But as I've gotten older, I have come to really appreciate and respect his 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 marketing acumen and just what he did um, as a wrestler to advance the sport, advance his brand, and do it. And that clip that I played there, um, just never gets old, man. Whenever I'm I'm sleepwalking through a day, that thing's like a cup of coffee to me. I just play that thing, and Ric Flair gets me ready to go tackle the damn day. I think my you know, favorite wrestler was Rowdy Roddy Piper. He was just such a sarcastic bastard. Yeah, when he used to have his show, <laughs> Piper's Pit. Yeah, man, and 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 the way you got off that show was usually a folding chair to the back of the head. It usually ended up that way. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> And he'd look at the guy and he'd go, just when you think you had all the answers, someone changes the question on you. (laughs) Yeah. Um, You either agreed with Roddy Piper, and because he was off the beaten path, it was difficult for you to do that. And if you didn't, uh, it was folding chair time, and it was across the back of your head, and then a whole melee would ensue. But uh, pro wrestling where, you know, I've had the uncles and the grandfathers that just always told me, man, that crap is not real. It's fake. Look at what it has come uh, look at what it has become over the years. Um, you've got people turning away live sporting events and um, big-time television shows to catch uh, Monday Night Raw and things of that. Do you remember so back in the respect. 70s, though, how, how how antiquated it was? You had wrestlers like Chief J. Strongbow, Ivan Putsky, yes. Bob Well, that Backlund. was my guy. Ivan Putsky was that. that yeah, was he used my to guy, do his so – tell the people he used to do his packs. Remember that? He'd make his pecs wiggle. To, he used to flex the pecs, and he fill, finished you off with the Polish hammer, which was cupping his two hands together and bringing it down on your chest as you came off the ropes. And it seemed like no one was able to avoid such an obvious move. But, and, of course, we had uh, the best guy ever, Andre the Giant, all seven foot four of him. Andre the Giant, Hulk Hogan, Bruno Sammartino, Bob Backlund. I could go on forever. Oh, right? yeah. And, you know, probably kill the audience that doesn't. It's not really interesting. Right, right but, now they just they um, just hit the, the, the end button on the computer. Listen, let, let's, get, let's get back to football here. Yeah, let's get back to football. Adrian Peterson has been the big talk here for the last week since being reinstated by Roger Goodell. And the story is, is he going to stay in Minnesota? Is he going to end up becoming a Cowboy? Is Adrian Peterson going to be dressed up in some other uniform other than the Minnesota Vikings last year? And uh, perhaps a little bit of uh, light shed on that situation. Emil, you've got some breaking news for us. Please share that with my our, bet our is that the only the only team that he'll end up with is the Oakland Raiders, if anybody, because they're interested. And here here's what ESPN's Adam Kaplan reports. And again, he's ESPN, so take it for what it's worth. But he said the thought around the league is that they'll take a first round pick and more compensation for them to listen. Mm-hmm. The more compensation would be they want a starting corner. From what I've heard, 
They've really identified that as their number one need right now, cornerback, Kaplan says. He continues by saying it could be a first and a second round pick. So basically, the feeling among GMs is the Vikings want a first rounder and a starting caliber corner or a first and second round pick. I don't see that happening if you have to pay a guy eight or nine million bucks a year. So basically, they're saying he's not going anywhere. What, if anything, because you're a guy well versed on some of these type of NFL matters. What of uh, if um, what if anything can Adrian Peterson force the Minnesota Vikings to do if he wants to get out of Minnesota? And it, you know, there's I doubt there'll be any takers with this tag. He'd have to be a poor character guy, which is against his character as far as a football player goes. In other words, there's really nothing for him to do. He can hold out. Not do the voluntary stuff. I mean, like Orlando Scandrick from the Cowboys this week isn't doing voluntary workouts because he can, you know, he's only he's only making one and a half million dollars in base salary uh, on the new contract extension he signed, which was a big deal with the signing bonus. But anyway, mm-hmm. that's how these guys, you know, they decide they want more money. They don't show up for the voluntary stuff, and he can do that. He might do it, but at the end of the day, if he wants to collect a paycheck, uh, you know, come training camp when the NFL season when they start paying the guys. Uh, he's going to have to show up and play for the Minnesota Vikings if they don't trade him. So I guess we're we're at this point. Uh, at this point, we, we can just go ahead and say now it really looks like he's going to be a Minnesota Viking this season. Can we well, go ahead and say that? I poke my if my team gave him a first and second round pick, gave the Vikings, a, and then paid this guy eight or nine million dollars. I think you'd find me up here. You'd have to come and counsel me. I'd be poking my eye out with a pencil in the corner of a room. That's too much. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. just too much. Uh, well, let's just play. Let's let's just play devil's advocate here, okay? If your team was going to do this, and I know it might be hard for you to fix your mind that way, uh, what are they sending them? Can they send? Do I they told have you a on Friday you show. Fair compensation. Fair compensation for a thirty-year-old running back, regardless of how great he is that's going to command a salary of somewhere between what he's willing to agree to, let's say if he was in a really good mood and he'd play for $6 million a year, up to as much as $10 million a year, is a second-round pick. They'd be doing good to get that. Now, this may be their opening shot. In other words, they may be setting the bar high, knowing they're not getting that, and then trying to get people to come to a first-round pick. In other words, we want a first-round pick and a player – or we want a first and second, and then they're hoping somebody says, well, how about we just give you a first? I mean, that could be a bargaining position that the Vikings are taking. Or it could be a Ruben Amaro baseball position when he goes to trade any of his guys from the Phillies, and he asks for two or three of your best prospects, and, oh, by the way, we want you to also pay the guy's full contract of $24 million a year. And then nothing ever happens for Ruben because people go, uh, uh sorry. <laughs> Not doing that. Yeah, I guess Philly's that gang. You know, once you're there, you're in. You know, you're, you know you're not not getting yeah, out of here Yeah, I mean, I'm just alive, saying this could be. I don't know what to make of it. In other words, is this the Vikings trying to get the first rounder only, knowing that we're, we'll ask for the sun, the moon, and the stars, and we'll just take the moon? Um, or is this the Vikings being unreasonable, basically saying, if you want to overpay us for for uh, Adrian Peterson, we'll trade him to you. Hmm. Uh, yeah, well, we know there's one thing we needed to touch on before we got out of here. It's going to be the big talk of the story, to, you know, uh, big talk of the day today, and that is Tim Tebow is back in the National Football League, and he's going to your favorite team, Amal, the Philadelphia Eagles. What to make of this thing? Uh, listen, I stopped trying to figure out what's going on there. I mean, as far as getting inside Chip Kelly's mind. Mm-hmm. About a month ago, because I really don't understand where he's going. I mean, you know, maybe he's convinced this guy that you can play H back and, and do something. Uh, maybe he has some goofy plays he wants to run with him at quarterback. I really don't know. Honest to God, I don't mm-hmm. know. Do you? Um, no. Who who knows what Chip Kelly's doing? Um, at, if nothing else, he's made the Philadelphia Eagles very interesting for this upcoming year. Um, which could be his last year in the NFL because he's made some really off-the-beaten-path moves. And if they don't work out, um, if the Eagles don't pull the plug on this experiment, he may indeed say, hey, look, I wanted to try these things at the National Football League level. They didn't work, so let me head back to college where I belong, and I'll have my choice of a job because I am a guy who is very successful at the college level. And then I stepped to a level above that, um, had a certain amount of success, learned some things, 
And like guys before me who have done this and have had some success, I can now jump back into the college football game and probably enjoy the ultimate success, which is win a national championship. And I'm sure if Chip Kelly made himself available after the season, he could have his pick at the job he want outside of, um, you know, school like school. You know, the ones that just got some guys. You know, you can't you can't have the Michigan job. You can't have the Ohio State job. You're not going to get the Texas job. Uh, in the Florida and Florida State, but other than that, any job coming open, you're you know you're going to be up for it. You're going to be the leading. Yeah, guy. I mean he's going to be. I mean he he he's going to get a good job if he goes back to college if he decides to do that. But I honestly, you know, I think I mean you keep thinking he's he's just trying this stuff. Seven I think and nine, actually, six and ten this year, Emil. What is he going to have that locker room? No, but what's you, he going to do? No, I mean he's done. Do you think that, do you think there's a chance they go six and ten? Absolutely, absolutely. What's he have at the quarterback spot? What's he have at the wide receiver spot? Is Demarco Murray? His answer to you would be the system. He would tell you the system, the system, the system. Well, God bless. He's put everything into that system. You and I kind of uh, exposed that system for its weaknesses last year, which happens to not necessarily be on the offensive side of the ball is that your defense can't play right. And if you're not stopping people in the National Football League, I don't care what you're doing on the other side. If your guys can't get stops and if you can't win in December, you're not you're not going anywhere in the National Football League. That's just those are just the facts. It's well, devil's advocate and I'm I'm I agree with you, but let me play devil's advocate. That that fan is going to say to you, Chip took over a team, I think they won 5 or 6 games in Andy Reid last year. He went ten and six his first year, won the division. Went ten and six his second year, missed the playoffs. Uh, they're going to say to you, "Hey, the guy's twenty and twelve so far in two years." Well, yeah, okay. That's we're talking about where they are now. Seven and oh, nine. Oh, you, so you, 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 what you're saying is that yeah. you definitely see the arrow pointing in the wrong direction. Yeah, I mean, last year showed us some things that, in my mind, it's not pointing up. And then you made some drastic moves off of a 10-6 and six team that you're essentially starting over. Right. And if these things don't – there, listen, there's a gamble going on there. And if it doesn't pan out, man, he's got to be got to be looking in the opposite. He's going to lose that locker room. you got guys right there with their both of their eyebrows way up in that locker room off of some of these roster moves and personnel decisions. And if they don't work out, um, they're not – going to be in the Chip Kelly boat. They're not looking to they're no, not looking to I think the big gamble is is the amount of change. Um because as you know football being the ultimate team game does require it's it's it's, it's like a well orchestrated, you know, play or rock band to play together. Um when, when one or two parts on a play doesn't work, the whole play looks to be a disaster. So 10 guys can do the mm-hmm. right thing. One guy does the wrong thing, and the play's a disaster. And when you have that mm-hmm. much change in one year, I mean, you look at what they've changed. I, I mm-hmm. it may be hard, at least for a month or you know, first month of the season, to get guys on that same page. And then you're on the risk of you know, you're way behind in your division and you're playing catch up. One and three start because you need to get all these guys to gel together and figure out what's what. Um, you make some kind of a uh, a, a run coming back, but then you already know what the end of the season looks like for a team that runs 700 plays a game. Yep. Tough to win at the end of the year because your veterans uh, and your NFL-type players are uh, worn down. We started off the show talking about NFL players feeling worn down as uh, they had something to say Well, I've about heard Jim some Harbaugh. people try to suggest that, you know, with DeMarco Murray and, you know, Ryan Matthews and uh, what other running backs are there? Is there someone else I'm missing? Bird or somebody... Polk, Chris Polk, they've it, got. It's interesting, Emil, that the two backs that they did pick up this off season are both uh, have had been injury guys in this league. And well, that's where I'm going with this. Running, I had an they're going to be running fan. all these plays. Yeah. So, yeah, but I had an injury um, fan suggest uh, an Eagle fan suggest to me that yes, Matthews gets injured and Murray has had that history, but you know they'll share the load here and that'll take some. Some you know some of those concerns away because you won't hand Murray the ball 350 times this year, and that very well may be true. But then my counter to that would be, then why did you pay the guy five years and 42 million dollars? Because if he's only going to be a 16 carry a back guy, is that really worth eight million dollars a year? Apparently so to them. And so uh, also the math is not right there too. I'm telling you, this is Vegas. 
this is a crapshoot. They're on the roulette wheel, and if this thing doesn't land on black like they wanted to, uh, they're going to be in the red, and I think Chip Kelly's going to be out of there and say, hey, guys, thanks for the experience. Um, let me head back to, to college football and see if I can win this new playoff thing that they've got going. So uh, yeah. that's kind of what I see going on with the Eagles. And uh, Another situation we can keep a close eye on uh, this NFL season. We'll be coming up with all the, all the plots and storylines uh, as we start to move uh, first towards the draft and then, you know, the NFL season will be fast approaching on us. Yay. Yay. We need football in our lives. We need Isn't that the draft stuff. coming up like like you know, about a week and a half, right? Uh, yes, it is. I, I want to say it starts next Thursday. Next yeah. Thursday, carry us into the big weekend, the Kentucky Derby, Pacquiao Mayweather, uh, NFL Draft Weekend. All so right. That whole, that whole thing's coming up. But that's the end of our show here today. We want to thank all of you all for listening. Uh, continue to listen to us here on Blog Talk Radio. If you like it, bring a friend. Uh, I'm back on tomorrow at 10 a.m. Emil will, uh, you know what, Emil, we may have to talk about Friday. But um, we're on Mondays and Fridays, uh, 10 a.m. always. I'm going to have a Wednesday evening show, so stay tuned for that. Listen, uh, check me on Twitter, at Studs for information on that. Other than that, for Emil Calamino, I'm Chad Wilson. Thank you guys for listening to the Gridiron Studs show. To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. We got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up and let yourself be seen.